Everybody, welcome back. Nice to see you. Good to be here on this Monday. It's coming too. It is. It is like it's, I know climate change is a thing. Uh, we're going to talk about it coming up in a minute. Climate change is a thing, but like more temperate climate temperatures are coming to Canada. We're here in Toronto. It's like three degrees here. It's been beautiful. It's been a great climate change winter, if you will. I know our next guest is not going to like me saying that, but anyway, we'll get into it in just a second because I do believe in climate change. Trust me. Uh, but it is going to freeze. You're going to get a little blast of winter here in Canada this week, like minus 40, minus 50 in different parts of this country, back to Canadian temperatures. Uh, and Canada is a unique country. It's one of those countries that experiences a whole bunch of seasons. It's got, you know, land on parallel, uh, with California, Point Pelee, if you will, right? You go all the way across and boom, you're in California. So Canada is a unique country where it's situated. Uh, Canada is unique when it comes to diversity. We're very multicultural. Uh, we're experiencing uh, real division in this country. And guys, I like to bring in to talk about that division, Canada, the way it works, some hot topic issues, whether it's climate change, are much smarter than me. And today is no exception. Please welcome back to the program the lead columnist from Canada's National Observer, um, a gentleman who I'm, I'm sure has dished out 200 to $300 to see Tucker Carlson coming up on the 24th or 25th. Uh, Mr. Max Fawcett, ladies and gentlemen, Max, nice to see you. You want to see Thank Tucker? You. you get your Tucker tickets? Uh, I, you, you, could not pay, you could not pay me enough money to go see that guy uh, in person with that crowd. No, there is there is no universe. Uh, Why? All- Why? Get out of your silo, Fawcett. Get out of your silo. Go and experience something else. That's yeah, what I they'll mean, tell you, right? Fair point, fair point. I mean, it would be... Um, it would be something, um, you know, to, to sort of experience that in person. But I mean, I'd be the youngest guy in the room. That would be fun. Uh, but uh, it's By just 30 years. By 30 years, dude. It's just it's just like resentment theater. Uh, and, and it's just not something that that stirs my drink very much. It, uh, it plays well here in Alberta, I guess, and, and certainly among a certain part of the demographic. But, uh, yeah, I, just, I don't feel the need to be angry about immigrants and climate change uh at least not in that way about climate change that it's sort of being foisted on us by uh you know the world economic forum or what have you so and a bunch of hippies that's what they say wow. it's a bunch of hippies forcing climate change on us it's a bunch of climate I, extremists i mean that's where they would that's my entry point because i i also don't like hippies very much I, I have a long-standing gripe there but uh i don't think it'd be enough to get me in the in the door <laughs> I don't like hippies very much. I love how you paint with that brush. It's good. I don't either because I've been to Kensington Market before and it's just packed with hippies. <laughs> and the smell of patchouli and pot is unbelievable, even though I don't mind one of those smells. Um, but Tucker Carpenter, why is he coming? I know we had David Parker on the show when we did a verses where he cleaned up and he kind of leaked to me after. He's like, yeah, we're bringing Tucker Carlson to town. Um, but like, what's he, what's he, what is he going to bring to the province of Alberta that you guys don't already know or are already angry with, or is this just like fuel for the fire? Like it, it, I know Parker's bringing him, but what's the point? Why is he coming? I mean, the point is money for him, for, for Tucker Carlson that, you know, he can't, um, he can't really do anything right now because Fox has him locked into a non-compete, uh, as part of his contract. And so he keeps trying to find ways to do his shtick. Uh, you know, he did it. He does stuff on Twitter, um, stuff that probably violated his non-compete. I think he's probably gotten his wrist slapped by lawyers about that. And so now he's doing a live tour and I'm sure he'll sell lots of tickets, make lots of money. And 
you know, for people like David Parker, uh, it's an opportunity to, to see someone who is a very effective and successful demagogue uh, and maybe learn some things about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm sure David Parker aspires to be like Tucker Carlson when he grows up, maybe absent the, the bow tie. But, um, you know, he, he, he may very well be the inheritor of the sort of Trump movement once Trump dies or goes to prison or, or, you know, what have you. And so, mm-hmm. um, he definitely is, is sort of at the head of that North American, uh, alt-right-ish Trumpish movement that, that is increasingly kind of consuming our politics. Um, you know, the question really is why would the premier of Alberta be there? Um, you know, she that, that is, Danielle. She's she, is, she is not only going, she is going to, I believe, ask him questions, uh, participate in the she's in moderating. The I don't know if she's moderating or if she's having like a, a, a moderated conversation with him, but she is on the she's on the stage. Um, and that one makes less sense to me. Um, you know, I, I, I guess in terms of placating the part of her party, the, you know, the take back Alberta types that, that clearly run the show and pull the strings, but Seems to me like there's more downside there than upside uh, in the longer term. You know, Tucker Carlson is probably not someone that a majority of Albertans would want to be associated with. Um, And, you know, she she in the election tried to portray herself. I think she did fairly successfully portray herself as, you know, sort of a moderate person, socially progressive, socially liberal, um, you know, live and let live and let live. But but, you know, fuck Justin Trudeau and let's make government smaller. And Tucker Carlson takes her into that place where it's like, you know, he hates immigrants, he hates Muslims, he hates gay people. Uh, it's a much darker place um, than I think she would be advised to go. But, you know, what do I know? Uh, actually, quite a bit. You're the lead columnist <laughs> for Canada's National Observer and uh, one of the warriors for truth and accountability and information in this country. So, you know, quite a bit. Um, but I want to kind of go over some of the things here. So Tucker Carlson coming to Calgary. He's actually coming to Toronto, too. Um, and, uh, tickets, uh, he's playing like one venue in Edmonton that I think it's gotta be the Rexall center, right? It's gotta be, gotta be or the Rogers center. Is that yeah. where he's playing? Yeah, 18,000 people. Uh, yeah. so that's a big venue. Then he's playing someplace in Calgary. Don't know where, uh, 2100, uh, lots of tickets still available for the one in Calgary, by the way. Um, and tickets range from like $134 to $930, but the reason why I found that interesting is there's lots of tickets still available. And the reason why I'm like enamored with the idea that he's actually coming to Alberta is that he has been outed as a legitimate quack, like a journalistic quack. He's admitted in the media after several lawsuits where he uses the defense in a lawsuit five years ago where he got sued for lying uh, about information where he's like, we're not news. No one takes us seriously. It's just commentary. Like he admits it. He that's admits the, it readily, right? That's the that's the Ezra Levant legal defense, which is, hey, I didn't expect anyone to take me seriously. I'm not actually a journalist, right? <laughs> uh, well, that's the and, thing. Like, are people going to see this? This is my question. Like, everybody oh, knows this. Do they not know his own words? Or are they unfamiliar with the guy who uses the whole, hey, I'm only joking always when I'm delivering the news and none of this is real and I'm just gaslighting for money, which he admits which he admits that that's exactly what he did on Fox. So are they going there to see him in Calgary and Edmonton because they're like, this guy is the truth and the light and no man shall come to conservatism except through him? Or are they in on the joke too and they're just going to get filled up with some laughs? Like, is it a comedy show? 
what like do people do they have realistic expectations of being informed by a guy who legitimately says I get paid to gaslight so let's not get it confused I don't think that there are a lot of people who are in on the joke to the same extent that that Tucker is clearly and it's not a joke to him anymore I don't think it's a shtick right it's a it's a routine uh, that he does I think part of the appeal for people is he's famous and he's famous for saying things that they feel like they're not allowed to say and perhaps wish they could say to their colleagues, to their family, to their friends. Um, part of it is being in a room full of like-minded people who can say and believe things that are, again, sort of transgressive. Um, and part of it is is uh, this sort of like reverse virtue signaling, which is to be able to tell people that they did it, right? To kind of shock people and and you know, appall them and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, you know, he credit where it's due, like most sort of famous, successful American performers, he's really good at what he does. He's the Mm -hmm. best in the world at it. Um, he is a much better version of Ezra Levant. He is a much better version of David Parker. Uh, and so he has some tricks up his sleeve, uh, that a lot of people probably are interested in seeing, um, you know, in the same way that, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a left-wing equivalent, you know, Robert, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you know. Um, there aren't many people on the left in Canada that can that can do what he does, uh, and, and I'm sure he would have a sizable audience if he decided to do a speaking tour up here as well. Um, so it's sort of equal parts entertainment, um, you know, reverse virtue signaling, and uh, just being part of an experience that that is kind of not allowed or is is – uh, you know, people believe is not allowed. Mm. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It's funny because I think I'm all for it. Like, I, I, I think it's hilarious. I remember when Parker told us about it, it was shortly after our verses where you cleaned him up. And I thought to myself, you know, that's funny. It's funny that you're bringing him to town. I wonder if anybody knows anything about him. And then I started thinking about the epistemology of the kind of news that you might get in on Alberta. And I was there recently. Beautiful Calgary, by the way. Love Calgary. Love the people of Alberta. Nice people. And I had a conversation with somebody who's like, hey, did you hear Tucker Carlson's coming to town? Because I came to town, met some people, and they knew where I stood, right? It was a business thing. And so they're like, okay, this guy's coming to town, and he clearly thinks differently than a couple of us. And so we had this conversation. And he thought he'd stick it in my eye. Like He was like, hey, did you hear Tucker Carlson's coming to town? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Actually, the guy that organized it, I interviewed him, and he told me about it like shortly after, said it was going to happen. And he said the whole goal is just to piss people off, to piss off the left, make people think that he's putting the thumb in the eye of the woke agenda in this country. And he's like, his his exact words to me were, no, that's not true. He's coming up here to inform people about what's really going on. And this is a successful person, dude. Mm. Like that was a, it was a successful, smart individual. And I said to him, well, what do you think is going on? Like what 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 is going on that he's going to inform people about? And he goes, you'll see. And I'm like, okay, so let's dig into you'll see a little bit. What is it that you hate about Justin Trudeau? Like I, I asked him, I said, hey, tell me why you hate the guy. And he goes, he's ruining the country. And I go, okay, that's very vague. Can you get more specific? Can you give me examples of the ruinous relationship this Trudeau guy has with the country? And he's like, all the scandals. And again, this is a smart guy, right? This is a guy who I'm like, wow, you know, like you, you got to this point where you've made millions of dollars. You know, you've got a beautiful house. You got a cottage. You spend like summers, winters in Florida. You know, you, you you can't be that dumb. And and I I had to ask myself. And you live in Calgary. You write for one of the leading digital publications in the country. 
in Calgary, which is difficult. You talk about climate change and stuff like that. My question is, and I was left asking myself this question. I didn't want to ask this person because I, I, you know, have no idea how they consume news. Do you get a completely different news cycle out there than we do? Like, do you get like, is it, is it, is there a, like a news dome over Western Canada where, you know, uh, anything, anything factual is, is pushed out and everything right leaning is pushed in? Like, is there a concerted effort to not inform people in that area of the world? I'm not sure that it's so much like a concerted effort by any one group as it is just the, the, the nature of the, the media diet that people have out here. So in, you know, back East in Toronto, uh, you know, you have, or at least you have for now, uh, you know, a, a multitude of papers, you know, you have the star that has traditionally been a pretty left leaning, although that's changing. You have the globe, you have, you know, the radio stations are all pretty, pretty darn moderate with some exceptions. Like there's just a much richer diet there and a much wider variety of sources uh, you know, in, in Alberta, getting the Globe and Mail is sort of like a, uh, a choice. You know, you, you really have to work to find it. It's, you know, it's a statement about your values. Um, it's probably virtue signaling. Um, you know, the major papers out here are sort of desiccated husks of the post-media empire that, that just give you, you know, this very right-wing commentary from, uh, you know, whether it's, um, oh, God, what, Lauren Gunter up in, up in Edmonton, uh, you know, Rick Bell, Rick Don Braid down here in Calgary. Like it's very kind of one dimensional. Uh, and then, the, you know, there are these online outlets out here that that I think punch well above, maybe not their weight, but because they're from here, they have a bigger audience. So that's the Western Standard. You know, the Rebel still has a big following out here. Um, and, and so it is just a bit of a different media environment. Um, you know, the CBC, I think, has, has a decent following out here, but but it's seen in much more polarizing terms than it might be in Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal. Um, so it, you know, there are people out there who, especially in the business community, especially in oil and gas, who they function at what appears to be a high level and their, their understanding of the world they live in is, is a caricature in a lot of respects. Um, and certainly when it comes to politics and, and world affairs, it doesn't, seem to cost them though. Like if you're a guy who has, you know, like you said, who has vacation property, who's a millionaire, whatever, why would he ever doubt the things that he's consuming or the things that he believes? It, it hasn't cost him anything. Um, there's been no price to pay for that. So, uh, you know, that's sort of the challenge that that progressive politicians face out here is, is the water is a little bit tainted uh, and you kind of have to work with that uh, rather than try to fix it, you know, the, the fixing, fixing the information ecosystem is, is a much bigger project than any one politician can, can embark upon. Mm, yeah. And, um, you know, you've got some people that have legacy reputations out there that are part of that message too. I want to bring up W Brett Wilson, old friend of mine, uh, yeah. who I met when he was on dragon's den. It's gotta be 15 years ago. Uh, interviewed him several times have enjoyed many, many fruitful conversations with him prior to the pandemic. Good dude, nice guy, uh, seemed to be able to have that unbiased approach to politics prior to, you know, the pandemic and, and prior to the Trudeau uh, tenure and prior to this liberal government, you know, back into Tucker Carlson. And I'll just go through some of the tweets that our friend Brett put out. You know, he says, if so a few thousand object to Tucker, nobody objected to Barack Obama, who destroyed the economic gift that Keystone XL offered Canada. It's a pipeline. 
And he signed the petition, if you wish. FUI, the event in Calgary, sold out Edmonton pretty much onward. Um, and, you know, we know where his interests lie, obviously, with oil and gas, Orphan Wells. You know, he does everything. All of his messaging comes from his self-interest. But then, and I get that. I get that with politics. I get that with influence. I get it with narrative. I understand it. But then we have stuff like this, and you'll like this, uh, where he puts out a climate change meme. The woke cannot explain. And keep in mind, this is a billionaire. Uh, climate change. This is the meme. This is what it says. Until you can explain to me how a storm has raged on Jupiter with 900 mile per hour winds for centuries. Until you can explain to me the dust storms on Mars. Until you can explain to me how Venus became a greenhouse planet, all with no human influence. And until you can explain to me how more than thousands of years of Ice Age ago, a uh, mile thick was once over what we now call Detroit. And until you can explain to me how that same mile thick ice decided to melt all long before industry arrived on the planet, take your climate change mantra and stuff it. Now, I'm no climate change expert slash journalist like yourself. That is about as fucking unhinged as it gets. And then I consider the fact that guy has more money than Carter has pills. And I'm like, how was that like, is, is this a progression that you've seen over the past three years or is he, is this DEFCON trying to protect his wealth? Like, what is he doing? Is he unwell? Yeah, it's an, it's, I don't want to say it's tragic because it's hard for it to be tragic. when It's someone, pretty fucking tragic, man. Like, has, I knew that guy. Right. Well, so did I, I mean, I, you know, I interviewed Brett a bunch of times uh, over the course of my career uh, reporting for business magazines, being the editor of Alberta oil magazine out here. Uh, and he was always a, like a super generous, warm, funny, thoughtful, kind. Um, kind guy who, you know, like he was a bit eccentric. He was a rich guy, um, you know, but um, he helped people. Uh, he, he was warm. Like that's the, the big the big sort of shift. And I don't know if it was something that happened in his own life, personal circumstances uh, around his family. I don't know if it is sort of his ongoing battle with cancer where he, you know, he's, he's, I think he, I think it came back again uh, last year. And I know he flies, he goes down to the States for some, uh, I think some fairly experimental medication for it. Like, I don't know what, and maybe it was just the pandemic, right. And just being alone or being in, in sort of his silo and getting angry. Um, but there's just sort of that rage cycle. Uh, I think you see with a lot of older guys, uh, mm. older, lonely guys who don't have a circle of friends where they can kind of pull you out of your spiral and be like, Hey man, you're like, you're being a prick. Stop it. Right. Uh, put the phone down, go, go play golf, go somewhere warm, like enjoy your, enjoy your life. Um, he seems to be trying to find meaning on Twitter, right. On posting these memes. And, and by the way, with that, the meme you posted about, you know, if you can't explain all these things, Scientists can explain all those things very easily. He should go ask a scientist. They'd be like, well, here's why this, 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 and this is the way it is. And you know, climate change is real, but he's not looking for truth. He's looking for validation. Mm -hmm. And and to me, that tells me that he's not finding it in his own life. Um, for whatever reason, he, you know, he used to find it through business. Maybe he's less involved with that these days. I don't know. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people who, the combination of social media and the pandemic uh, have transformed from better versions of themselves to much worse versions of themselves. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think it's really hard to pull people out of those tailspins once they're in them.
The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by FactCheck.io. FactCheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact-check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact-check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. Io. Back to the show. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources, and there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip. And they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. See, and, and part of me, I agree with you. I agree that, that it's a kind of a combination of things, right? Like, like I said, I understand protecting your wealth, right? If your business is oil and gas, you have orphan wells, you've been asked to clean up, you won't do it because it comes at a cost. You still are in this game of trading a commodity, which is really the economy in that beautiful province of Alberta. I understand all that. I understand Keystone XL. I understand the need for responsible extraction. I get the need to move away from fossil fuels, all those things, right? It, it, to me, it seems like there's this ring of influence around that area of the world, Saskatchewan, Alberta, right? And that ring of influence and the way people are behaving to protect whatever influence they thought they had. And I think you're right. I think it's older dudes. And I think guys like Rex Murphy, I know we talked about it before we went on. Those guys are leading the charge because they're just as miserable as everybody else, right? They're just as miserable that the world has changed. They're miserable that they can't have what they want. They're miserable that they have to go back and double back and go, okay, now I have to be a good citizen. I have to be worried about the climate. But dude, you didn't have snow on the ground in, in, in Alberta for for Christmas. Like it, it was, it I was out there recently. It was like plus three, plus four. I mean, you're going to get it down to minus 40 this week, which, you know, good for you, <laughs> but like, do, do they just in your estimation, is it protectionism for personal interest? Is it the fact that they can't comprehend guys like Brett Wilson, guys like Rex Murphy can't comprehend any progressive values or is it just too, cause I look at it like this, but like when, when someone asks me, to look into my cognitive racial bias when the George Floyd thing happens. I'm like, I don't understand any of this. And they're like, you need to understand cognitive bias. I'm like, 
do I have to? Do I have to do that work? They're like, yes, you do. If you want to be a good human being, you absolutely do. And I'm like, okay. So I do the work and I realize where my biases are. Is it just not wanting to look at who they are? That's the question I have, because I think that's really difficult for a lot of really old dumb dudes. Yeah, I think it's a stew of things. So let me try to kind of disentangle the ingredients that go into it. Part of it is is the thing that they do, the thing that they made money on um, is changing in a very fundamental way, more fundamental. You know, it would be like in Toronto, if all of a sudden all real estate deals had to be done with crypto, right? Like it's just a a total sea change in the world that they have come up in, made friends in Mm -hmm. uh, and made their money in. And a lot of them, you know, it's easy to change when you're in your twenties, your thirties, your forties, even when you're in your sixties, you don't want to change, right? Like it's, it's just too much work. Um, and so rather than try to understand the world that is sort of unfolding before their eyes, they just reject it. They say, no, it's not real. It doesn't exist. It's not happening. You're all idiots. Uh, we know best, right? That's part of it. Um, part of it is, uh, there's, there's a lot of similarity in the backgrounds and social circles of people here in a way that's, it's like a company town to a certain extent. And, you know, I never experienced that when I was living in Toronto or Ottawa or Vancouver. Um, Cause you would always meet people there and, you know, someone would be an engineer, someone would be in media, someone would be in construction. Like there's just people came from different worlds in, especially in Calgary, you know, the, the powerful people, the people who are sort of in the leadership positions all tend to have gone to the same schools, often the same programs, worked in the same industry, run in the same social circles. And so they don't meet people who can challenge them and and kind of bring new ideas into their face and say, hey, you're thinking about it this way, but it's really that way, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so they just have a real kind of um, blind spot on a lot of this stuff. And, you know, when, I think when you get to a certain point in your life and people tell you that you have a blind spot, your instinct is to tell them that they're wrong or tell them to go fuck themselves. Um, and there's a lot of that out there right now as well. And part of it is just, you know, a lot of the people here are older and I think older people, especially older men struggle with loneliness. They struggle with anger issues. Uh, and I think it, you know, with Twitter, you have this perfect sort of vessel for all of that anger to be expressed, right? You can, you can take all of your negative emotions and just spew them onto this social media platform and, you know, in Brett Wilson's case and, you know, the sort of the, the right wing pundits, you also, you get rewarded for it. You get followers mm-hmm. for it. You get likes, you get shares, you get admiration for your bile. Uh, and it just sort of creates a feedback loop where, okay, I guess I'll just put some more bile out on here. And, um, you know, I, it's amazing how it's amazing how that reward for 13 year olds is a reward for 75 year olds now too. Well, right. I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of these folks who are 75 are operating at the, you know, the mental level of a 16 year old. But, uh, you know, one of the I think one of the things I've learned as I get older is that, you know, people who get older are, are, are still the same people on a lot of levels. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah, respond yeah. to the same incentives. We were talking about this off air, but like, you know, a lot of the alt right stuff right now, a lot of the sort of the angry white men uh, of the Internet are just people who didn't get to go to good parties in high school and they're, and they're still pissed off about it. Right. right? Dude. And you know, it's funny because like you and I, again, we talked about it off the air, but I have this conversation with people all the time where they're like, what happened? And I'm like, do you understand Bitcoin? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, let me take you through it. There's a group of guys, specifically men, 
right? Mm -hmm. Who were ignored in high school. They were the guys who were all involved in chess club. They were the guys who like never went to pep rallies. They were the guys that wore trench coats. They were the guys that had slick back hair. And they were the guys that got mocked every time they went to and from class, right? Because they took themselves so seriously and they dressed up like they were, I don't know, fucking uh, college professors when they were 15 and 16 years old. And they, they fancied themselves to be really important, even though they had a real serious like problem with girls. And they had a problem with social structure. And I don't, I'm not going to speak to the kind of homes they were from, but it's like they all found each other about 30 years ago and decided like, Hey, listen, let's invent a way that we can get back at all the jocks. Let's invent a way that we can get back at all the people that we hated in school that ignored us. And when they found each other, they found each other in chat rooms. They found each other on 4chan. And now Twitter has basically turned into glorified 4chan, right? Mm -hmm. So they're finding each other on these social apps and these subgroups. And they're saying, yeah, you've got and, and, and dude, that's what I'm convinced. That's why Peter Thiel and Elon Musk invented Bitcoin or invented uh, PayPal. I'm convinced that's why uh, Bitcoin was invented, because they said, you know what? We're so mad at the institutions that treated us like shit. We're just going to stick our, our faces in the middle of it. And we're going to tell everybody we got a new way of doing things. And this is our new truth. And, and so I look at guys like Rex Murphy and I think that guy has never been to a party. He's probably never been married. I don't know if he has or not. He's probably never had a life outside living his childhood resentment out for the past 60 years. And I feel like that's what we get. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a ton of truth to that. I mean, it used to be, I think, that, you know, at least with some of those dudes, um, you know, because there was not the Internet, you kind of had to do better. You had to work on yourself, make yourself a bit of a better person, a less angry person. If you wanted to meet someone, if you wanted to fit into society. And now you can go into these chat rooms, into these boards, and, and you get this feedback, this validation that says, no, 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 you don't need to change. You're not the problem. They're the problem, right? They're the ones who are wrong, who don't understand, who need to, you know, who need to uh, change their ways. And, and it's sort of like you know, that movie or that series of movies, Revenge of the Nerds, but it's like on steroids. Um, it's it's society. And, and by the way, like that's a... It's, that movie has some of the most terrible scenes in it. If you look back at it from sort of a, a, a modern perspective, like, like there's like, there's rape in it that just totally gets like looked past by the nerds. Like it's, it, there is a sort of a, a parallel here, but you know, it, it really is kind of, we're living that out right now that, that, you know, these angry people who are not included are, are getting their payback and really kind of want to burn everything down. Like that's where that let's burn everything to the ground impulse I feel like comes from um, you know, so I, not that we can fix the current crop of, of, uh, angry, angry men, but, you know, maybe going forward, we can teach our kids to just be nice, nicer in school. I don't know. Like maybe kids aren't wired to be nice in school, but it feels like, are you blaming us? Kids. Are you blaming us for them right now, Max? Is that what you're doing? No, are you blaming you know, the cool I, kids for the loser I, kids? Is that what you're in doing? Fairness, in fairness, I was not a cool kid. I was sort of one of those middle tweener kids who, you know, oh, yeah. was neither cool nor uncool, but I just I feel like there's a a lot of things go back to high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, you know, I'm sure Freud would have many, many things to say about about the way we form our identities and, and the way it kind of echoes forward. But uh, I don't know, maybe if kids could just be a little nicer to each other in school, uh, that would make things better 50 years down the road. Yeah. Avoid, avoid uh, listen, Jordan Peterson's. listen uh, you can blame me all you want for Jordan Peterson. <laughs> you can blame me all you want for guys like Rex Murphy. It wasn't me. But 
but it feels like, you know, cause they have that same kind of angry vibe that like disinterested in what's going on, disinterested in any kind of progressive issues, disinterested take, I'm just here to serve my time and be like a cog in the wheel. Um, speaking of cogs in the wheel. And I, I wanted to ask you this because we, I'm why again, staying out West, I'm watching it all kind of percolate and I've got some relationships out West. And I, I had a conversation with someone from Alberta this week and they're like, at least we're not Saskatchewan. Is there like a, is there like, is there like a, like, does Saskatchewan support Alberta? Alberta supports Saskatchewan. Is there like a race to the bottom uh, when it comes to like being the least progressive uh, uh, province out there? Uh, explain that to me. Explain the relationship with both of those provinces, because you've got a couple of uh, conservative premiers. Uh, you've got a couple of conservative premiers that are I- into the kabuki medicine. And I don't know what's up in those provinces, but it's like you get a, a conversation with someone and they're like, we're proud to be this, but at least we're not that. And they're all pointing at each other like, you know, you're worse than us. No, you're worse than us. Yeah, there's sort of like a, a little brother, big brother thing um, with Saskatchewan and Alberta. Um, you know, obviously both prairie provinces, both oil and gas, both agriculture, although Saskatchewan more the latter Alberta more the former, you know, for the longest time, there was this persistent uh, drain of, of people from Saskatchewan to Alberta. Um, Brett Wilson was from Saskatchewan. Uh, Murray Edwards, who's the CEO, founder of Canadian Natural Resources, which is probably the most successful oil and gas company in Alberta history uh, from Saskatchewan. So there's a lot of there's a long history of people from Saskatchewan coming to Alberta to make their money. Um and then eventually, you know, retiring to BC. Uh, there was a period in the mid 2010s where that kind of flipped, and suddenly Saskatchewan was the the more prosperous one, and the brain drain stopped, and people were sort of re- even their stories of returning home to Saskatchewan. I remember when the NDP won in 2015, there was this big threat by a few Saskatchewan uh, uh, oil and or oil and gas companies that were run by Saskatchewanians saying, well, "We're going to move our head offices." To, to Regina or to Saskatoon, of course that never happened because they couldn't get anyone to actually go along with it. But, um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that was the threat. Um, yeah. that's quite the threat, huh? That's, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, you know, Saskatchewan used to be a pretty reliably NDP province, right? Mm. It, it has that sort of prairie, um, socialist, uh, uh tradition, um, you know, Tommy Douglas, um, there's lots of NDP premiers. And then it kind of flipped uh, in the 90s and 2000s. And and I think right now it's probably much more conservative than than Alberta. You know, Alberta, Alberta has a government right now that is clearly trying to out crazy the Saskatchewan government. The Saskatchewan government is doing its absolute best to keep up. Um, but, you know, Calgary and Edmonton are, are very progressive cities. They're only going to get more progressive Saskatchewan doesn't quite have the same um, sort of urban heft. So I think it, it will win the prize, I think, in the race to the bottom. But there's a lot of parallels, actually, between Saskatchewan and Kansas. Uh, Kansas used to be this very left-wing state in the Union uh, and has progressively gotten more and more conservative, driven by cultural issues, you know, um, LGBTQ stuff. Um, and it's there's a really great book called What's the Matter with Kansas? And it's kind of all about how it went from this progressive left-leaning place to this sort of increasingly paranoid right-wing place and all the damage that actually did to, to the state uh, and its economy. So, you know, maybe there's a, a similar book that's waiting to be written about Saskatchewan one day. 
Mm, yeah, it's concerning for sure. I mean, you know, they they love their talking points. They love their conservative talking points, but their governments are on the deep end of the conspiracy theorists, right? They're they're the extreme versions of that. And, and I want to take a quick sidestep here because we're talking about provinces that are rich in fossil fuels. Uh, you know, they, they've got a very conservative area of the country. Pierre Polyev has that area of the country locked up this week. Uh, last week, actually, he had a very bad week. Um, where they were putting out some digital messaging. And I want to play something for you, and I want your thoughts on this, because I find it fascinating. Um, I had to Google whether, after I watched this, and I want you to watch it with me, I had to Google whether or not you actually got lightning from catching it from light, got electricity from catching it from the sky, and if it was possible to take that lightning and then put it in a copper wire. This is the leader of the official opposition. I want you to watch the evangelical tone of this whole thing, and then I want to get your opinion. The electrician who captures lightning from the sky, runs it through a copper wire to illuminate this room and light up the world is not ordinary. He is extraordinary. Once again, and I've said this before, that is extraordinary. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that are like, that's right. That's right. That's right. We've got my guy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How? How does that happen? Your thoughts on that whole diatribe? We'll get to the the brainy part in just a second, but I want your thoughts. I mean, he clearly has a speechwriter who loves that metaphor, who, you know, maybe is a big fan of, um, I don't know, Thor. Is that the right Marvel character? (laughs) Um, You know, like it. it, it, Like you do know you, you didn't do what I did, though. Max, you, you, you didn't you didn't Google, is it possible at all <laughs> to catch lightning and put it in a copper? I mean, I feel like I feel like they did that in Back to the Future. So maybe he's just it's a really good. big fan of Back to the Future. But he clearly has a speechwriter who fell in love with that stupid metaphor because conservatives can't hire good speechwriters. Um, and and, the, the, you know, that's 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 what he, he said it a bunch of times, too. Like he said it, like, I think three or four times in different speeches. So uh, again, like clearly they love copying and pasting that in uh, into whatever he's talking about, but you know, he's trying to uh, you know, he's really trying to, to make it seem like, I guess electricians are very magical, which again, you don't need that metaphor to do it. I'm already fucking amazed by electricians. Whenever they come in, you know, or I have them come into my house to make something work. I'm like, right. I, I'm glad I didn't kill myself. You're yeah, amazing. Hey, we don't need to canonize. We don't need to turn these guys into saints who catch lightning like fucking Hercules or Thor, yeah. right? They, I'm amazed by the fact they know the difference from ACDC. I'm amazed that they stick their hands in fuse boxes. Not for me. Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's such a weird uh, tick of his, but he's, he's done that a few times. Like he, he did that thing with the video where he kept talking about wood uh, and how the, you know, the wood was old and the wood and the woodsmith and this and this. it's just, he, he really likes to romanticize jobs that are sort of blue collar, right? Because he's trying to, he's trying to speak to those people. Uh, I kind of think if I was an electrician and I heard that speech, I would be out on that guy. I'd just be like, well, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He clearly doesn't understand how electricity works. Do you know how many, cause I put that clip out. Do you know how many electricians uh, res- responded to that tweet? It had like, you know, a couple of thousand retweets and they're like, yeah, so I'm an electrician, and um, I'm going to go outside right now with a lightning rod. I'm going to stand on some sheet metal and see if this works, because it's never been done in human history. And I'm like, no way, really? He's like, yeah. yeah. But, like, electricians all laughed at him, to your point. And he's trying to endear himself to the common person. He's trying to endear himself to the working man, the person that works with his hands, right? I mean, I think that's where that um, pitch 
could fall down for him because he's, you know, he's clearly trying to speak to the sort of blue collar working class, shoe into some of that NDP vote. And I think that's a good strategy because yeah. the NDP right now uh, looks increasingly like a party of kind of wealthy uh, postgraduate uh, doctoral students or something, you know, like it's, it's a very niche uh, urban uh, sophisticated um, voter that they appear to be appealing to. Um, but I think anyone who has, sort of worked with their hands, who is part, who has a blue collar background, should be able to sniff out the fact that Polyev is not of their kind, right? Like he is a career politician. He has never, you know, had one of those jobs. He does not understand what it's like to do what they do. Well, okay. When you say Pierre, when you say career politician, at what point, like he gets out of university, he goes right into working for the prime minister's office. Does he not? 21, 22, yeah. is that correct? Yeah, like he's, he's, I mean, he's straight in, right? And I knew a bunch of guys like that in grad school because uh, I went to grad school in Ottawa and like that was their path. They go straight from graduating to working on Parliament Hill and look, that's fine, but none of them should ever become prime minister. I can tell you that much because their, their, their range of life experience is limited to things that happened within sort of a two kilometer circle in Ottawa. Um, so, you know, I, I think if he overplays that pitch, um, it has the possibility to backfire with, with the caveat that there's no one out there with the exception maybe of Charlie Angus who can expose him, right? Trudeau can't expose him because Trudeau's hands are just as soft as, uh, as Polyev's are. Uh, and same thing with Jagmeet Singh. Like he's, you know, I doubt he's ever done a day of hard labor in his life. So mm. um, there's really not anyone who can call him on this bullshit, which may be why he keeps trying to trot it out because he knows uh, there's no one who can kind of referee this correctly. Well, it, it, dude, and, and to your point, he even went deeper after the, hey, I really love lightning catchers comment, uh, where he, he basically advocated for the purge, uh, where he was like, you know what? Those brainy people, those experts, tell us what to do, those doctors. Let me play you the clip. Let me play you the clip, because if this doesn't speak to someone who refuses education, to your point, if this doesn't speak to someone who loves ignorance, who he's after, I don't know what does. Speaking of experts, you know, we're often told that there are these brainy people who have a higher standard of virtue than the unwashed masses, that they have to decide for all of you and all of us because they just know better. All of us, well, we should just do what we're told. They should decide what we think and say and what happens with our money. You see, Justin Trudeau really has only two core principles. And that is, the, the these are those principles. One, that the state should control everybody. And two, that he should control the state. Right? But who are these angels? Who are these angels from above that he has hired to run our lives? Right? They are basically people who want to control the decisions that should rest in the hand of everyday people. But how can we be sure that the people are wise and virtuous enough to decide for themselves? Aren't they just ordinary people? Ladies and gentlemen, I have held about 120 rallies in the last year and a half since I launched my leadership campaign. And I have a policy that at each and every one I stay until every person who wants to meet me has shaken. As shaking my hand. Weird flex at the end. Yeah. Um, but let me just kind of summarize that for you, Max. As an academic, and I am not one, you are. Um, and as someone who puts his faith in experts, doctors, engineers who build bridges, 
people that set rules, laws, people who are masters of PhDs in legal policy, foreign policy, like, like really smart people that have the education and the, and the wherewithal to be able to do it, right? Guys, uh, how about a heart surgeon? Um, you know, how about an electrician, right? The, what he's advocating for there, in my mind, I could be wrong, is a society where these experts that we ask to keep us healthy, keep the lights on, we don't listen to them anymore. We need to just listen to ordinary people. Am I wrong? Is is that like the one of the greatest gaslighting clips in the history of Canadian politics? Yes or no? Um, it's it's definitely top five for me. Um, I mean, look, it. Um, you said it was like the purge. To me, it feels a little more like idiocracy. Um, mm. You know, where you have a society that you know is kind of founded on its contempt for people who know things. Um, not realizing that the people who know things were the ones who actually built society. Um, you know, I, I, I will, and maybe this is because I'm, I'm educated because I grew up around people who were not contemptuous of expertise, but like, I'm very grateful that I don't have to learn about medicine, that I can trust other people to do it for me. Uh, I'm very grateful that I don't have to learn how to engineer a bridge or how to, uh, fly an airplane, that there are people out there who dedicate their lives to knowing those things so that I don't have to know them as well. And so that I can pursue my, you know, the things that make me happy. And, and it, it's just such a dangerous road to go down. Um, you know, it's sort of revenge of the C minus students. Um, and I'm sure if you're a C minus student, you probably are tired of being told what to do, but um, you know, like maybe it's a good idea to listen to the A plus students from time to time, uh, unless you want to start performing your own surgeries and capturing your own electricity from lightning and whatever else it might be like it's just the folks who fall for this stuff this you know populist quasi sort of fascist adjacent stuff uh i don't think they've done a moment of introspection of all the ways in which expertise uh sort of holds up their standard of living you know that, that they would not be in the position that they're in they would not enjoy the comforts that they do were it not for the work of hundreds of thousands of experts over the course of time. So I, this is one of those things that I just react to kind of um, instinctively and almost like biologically that anyone who, who is, is that sort of contemptuous of expertise really should not be anywhere near the levers of power um, given what they might do with it. Um, I, I understand you absolutely can hold experts to account. You can be questioning of, of their forms of expertise. I mean, I think you see a lot of the, the anti-vax people trying to dunk on scientists because things evolved over the course of time uh, during the pandemic. But again, that is the nature of expertise. It evolves, it adapts, it updates itself, especially when you have something that is brand new to it. Uh, you know, the whole point of expertise is not that they are right with their first instinct. It is that they work towards being as right as possible. Um, you know, there's sort of a fundamental misunderstanding and a, and a weaponization of that uh, in the anti-vax sort of know-nothing community. But, you know, it's interesting, like this thread has been with us for as long as society has been with us. There's always been this part of society, you know, whether it was the know-nothing party, you know, a century ago, whatever it might be, that that wants to break people's glasses, right? Um, I mean, you saw that in Cambodia, uh, under the Khmer Rouge, under the under the communist government there, where 
they literally rounded people up who had who had glasses and killed them because they knew that those people were a threat to the kind of society that they wanted to build, which was one where the Communist Party had all the power. They didn't want anyone around who remembered things, who knew things, who had expertise. They wanted them all gone. And certainly not saying that that's what, you know, what Polyev is after here, but, but you know, there is a, a whisper of that sort of mindset, that communist anti-expert mindset in the current sort of conservative populist mindset, um, that hatred of people who know things. Why do they hate? See, see, and this is the thing is I understand who he's pandering to, right? He's pandering to people who um, didn't want to get vaccinated. He's pandering to people who didn't want to wear a mask. He's pandering to people who are like, got to question the science. You got to question the experts. You got to question big farm. And I'm all for the questions like you point out, right? Like I am, I'm, you know, uh, there are lots of questions I have about the business of pharma. If you've watched anything on on Oxycontin, if you've watched that Sackler uh, show on Netflix with Matthew Broderick, you should be asking these questions. We all should. We should ask about intentionality. But that's just common sense, right? That you go to the doctor because you're not a you're not a doctor. You go to a lawyer because you don't know the law. You go to an engineer because you don't know how to structurally underpin a house, and so you pay people for their services. But what he's advocating there for is the dissolution of expertise, right? And he's trying to tell these people, hey, you know more than them, right? You know more than them. That, that to me is radicalization. My question to you would be, Max, because I, I wrestle with this all the time, is, is this a strategic effort on his part? Or does he really believe that in his gatekeeper bullshit? Like, does, does he really believe that experts have led us astray? Because you can't be, and I go back to this whole point. He's a, he's not a dumb person. Like Pierre Polyev is not an idiot. Like he has pressed all the right buttons to be where he's at today. So is this just an operation for him, or does he really believe that we shouldn't believe experts anymore? It's a good question. Um, I think that there is a part of him because he's always been from that the the wing of the conservative party that is sort of defines itself by its resentment of elites. And I think he views like a lot of conservatives do right now view educated people as elites to be resented. Um, you know, whether it's because they're woke or it's because they vote progressive more often, he sees them as an enemy. Um, and so I'm not sure it's that he doesn't believe them. I mean, I'm sure he uses an engineer to, to build his house. I'm sure he got vaccinated uh, I'm sure he trusts doctors. It's that he sees them as an obstacle to his pursuit of political power. Uh, and so there's a, there's an inconsistency in what he does and what he says uh, on that front. I, you know, I think that's true of a lot of populist conservatives. I think there are very few of them who actually don't go to the doctor because they think doctors are crooked. I think there's a lot of them who say that uh, because it plays well with, with a certain um, part of the audience. I mean, there's this, there's this quote, I was just looking it up from... Uh, Isaac Asimov, who's obviously one of the you know the great science writers of of human history, and he was talking about this this sort of persistent anti-intellectual strain in in human society, and he said it's all about this belief that my ignorance is as good as your knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And and that really is kind of what he's pitching there is is you know these so-called experts and their so-called book learning, why is that any better than what you know as a common person, right? which is nonsense. Um, you know, there are lots of things that we as people don't know, and it's okay to admit that. Um, but 
you know, it kind of comes back to uh, this notion that like educated people think they're better than you. They, you know, you're unwashed, they're washed. It's this sort of outsiders. Aren't they though? Aren't like, aren't educated people better than people who are not educated on a certain subject? Oh, on a sub on their subject matter, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so they are. It, they are better it, at at it, whatever that it is, than the common person without sure. education in that space. So yes, the but they're, but, yes, they're, they but they're not but they're not better people, right? That's what he's implying is that they think they're better people. That you're filthy, they're clean, and, and like that's. I love that's, how he called all the people there unwashed as well. Yeah. Like what a nice little side hustle that was on on everybody there. They think you're dirty. <laughs> Just to be able to insult them to their face and they don't realize it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a tell there, which is that oh, I yeah. don't think I don't think he hangs out with those people in his private no. life by choice. No. Um, you know, I think you know, like a lot, you know, it's like Trump. Like Trump has these rallies with these folks, and he wouldn't be caught dead hanging around with them at Mar-a-Lago, right? He wants to play golf with other rich people and he doesn't want the poors anywhere near near his property. But um, you know, I think it's it's a shtick. It's a shtick. He's, he has honed to a certain kind of perfection. Um, you know, I think educated people need to get their heads out of their, their asses a little bit on this stuff uh, in that we, we have to do a better job of pushing back and not just assuming that the public is going to trust our expertise or, or validate that, you know, once, once it has been sort of confirmed that it will remain that way forever, they have to constantly be, doing outreach, doing, doing sort of communications so that the public understands what they're talking about rather than just taking it for granted. Because there are people like Polyev out there who are actively working to undermine their standing, undermine their, um, their credibility. Uh, and that has consequences. Oh, well, we've seen it. A lot of people died over the past three, four years because of the undermining of expertise, right? We've seen it well, look, like in look, real time. Look at the mortality rates uh, yeah. or the life, you know, the average lifespan in Saskatchewan and Alberta, they are, it is going down quicker than anywhere else in the country. I would submit to you. That's not because we have the most vaccinated people because we sure as shit don't. It's because we have among the least vaccinated people. And, and so people are dying here uh, more frequently than they are in BC or in Quebec because they didn't get vaccinated because they don't trust the science because they have politicians in their ear telling them not to trust the science. So yeah, there are real consequences. Mm. Um, the, the part I can't quite figure out is, you know, you look at and this data comes out of the states that, you know, Trump supporters are dying in much bigger numbers than uh, Biden supporters because of the uh, vaccination rates. And they're literally killing off their own supporters. Like at some point, you would think that they would realize this is not a winning political strategy, but but that doesn't appear to have uh, have sunk in yet. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is you got a group of people who at this point are so pot committed. Like, listen, when you're a kid, you yeah. remember ever telling a lie? You're like, I got to lie because I'm going to get in trouble. And you're like, OK, I'm going to lie. And your dad's like, tell me the truth. And you're like, oh, fuck it. I already lied three times. I can't. I got to keep lying. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you get to the point where you get found out and you keep lying anyway, where it's like, no, I swear to God, dad, I swear <laughs> to God. And the gig's up and you know it and you feel this incredible shame. I think there's this avoidance of that tax oh, that plays way more into like, Hey, listen, I'd rather die than be wrong at this point. So whatever. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Would you agree? A hundred percent. There are so many people, especially older people who at this point, like you say, they're so pot committed to this, this narrative that yeah, they would rather die than be wrong. Have, to come, have to come out and say all those like woke libtards were right all along. And I was right. All, wrong all along. They just, 
No, they'd rather go. Oh, my doctor was right. Oh, God damn it, guys. I'm sorry. There's too much. You know what it is? I think a lot of people look at their Facebook accounts and go, do I have to scrub three years worth of shit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, do I have to? I got to go back. That's a long afternoon of like saying sorry for the last three years of sending out memes saying uh, only cucks wear masks. Right. It's a long afternoon of going. Oh, there was that time I said the the micro implant was going to give people 5G in their brains. I forgot about that. Like there's there there's a real fear. And it's funny because it's like there's a study that was done where people were talked about their fears, their inner fears. And being wrong was one in one a with public speaking. People would have rather have died than have been publicly wrong or shamed for being wrong or have to speak in public. Like, I don't think people understand the psychology behind that when it comes to this subject. I don't 100 percent. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Anyway, uh, last question I have for you. Are we over the show? Hi, Otani bagging of the Toronto Blue Jays. Are you okay with it? I know you and I shared a lot of DMs. I led you down the garden path. I'm like, he's on a flight. I feel really bad about that. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I shared that in my Slack. People got very excited. Um, No, I'm, you know, there's a, there's a universe out there, an alternate universe where he's signed with Toronto and I'm, you know, I like to imagine I'm living in that sometime, but it was fun. Like, you know, there's, there's a company that was selling a t-shirt that had like the flight number on it. Uh, you know, and I'm tempted to get that. Cause that, like that moment, that day, uh, you know, and it was like talked about as terrible journalism on the part of the baseball writers who, 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 you know, who there was a couple of mainstream writers who said it was happening. Um, yeah. It buddy, mine, John Morosi said it like he, I actually sent him a note, uh, and I defended him after because he got gamed. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he got gamed, but to your point, yes. Continue. It, it was, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I, I look at it from the perspective of a fan. Would you rather have had that experience and then miss out or never have had that experience? I think I would rather, I, I remember those hours so fondly that I kind of, even with all the disappointment that came afterwards, it was fun for that moment to feel like, Oh my God, it's going to happen. There's a chance. Uh, you know, the Babe Ruth of, of the 21st century is actually going to play in Toronto for the rest of his career. Um, you know, there was actually a video that I shared that I, I someone pointed out in my DMs was clearly not true, but there was a video of him like walking through a private airport and someone tweeted that it was in Toronto and I shared it and I was like, oh my God, he's coming. And then, no, that was an airport in Cal. <laughs> that was like an old video of him going through an airport in California. You got taken. You got, dude, I did the same thing. I did the same thing with the flight. I did the same thing with that video of him walking through those doors. You saw the oh, sun well. setting in the background. And and it was like, there he is. He's in Toronto. I put it out and I get a note from a friend of mine who's like, dude, and I a guy I trust. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, dude, you got had, you got to take that down. And I pride like you, I pride myself on at least checking the metadata to make sure that I'm not putting out a video that's totally irrepresentative of what what it is that I said it was. But I was so excited that day, Max. You and I are texting back and forth. I'm like, it's coming, it's happening, it's coming. I got that, it's coming. And then you're like, uh, wait. Wait, because you're a responsible journalist. I am not. I am 100% irresponsible. So I was ginning it up on Facebook. I was ginning it up on Twitter. I'm like, it's happening. He's coming for sure. It's happening. And when it didn't happen, I did what everybody during the great vaccine debate should be doing right now. I went back and I scrubbed the (laughs) shit out of my account. I was like, I got to get rid of all this stuff. I look like such an idiot. But to your point, I feel the exact opposite that you do. I hated that we were in the mix. I hated that we were used as bait. It was Kawhi all over again, where we're like, oh, it's the airplane. There it is. And we're getting all excited. And you know what that spoke to to me? You know what that spoke to? How absolutely snowflakey we are for anything. 
anything good in this city because we've never had anything good. And we like to tell people that story too. We can't have anything nice. And it was just this, like, and I remember, I remember talking to a friend of mine. He's like, dude, even if he's on a plane, I can guarantee you he's not going to sign Toronto because Toronto, LA major league baseball does not want him in Toronto. He does not want to be in Toronto. But what I loved about it is how Toronto was used as bait for him to actually sign for another 150 million, just to squeeze an extra 150 out of the Dodgers. And I'm like, there we are. We do that for everybody. We did it for Kawhi. We did it for we did it for Otani. But I I I was very unhappy we were in the mix. Hearing that we were in the mix and having that taken away from us, I feel the exact opposite. Was it fun watching guys like Bob Nightingale and John Morosi fight on Twitter? Yeah, totally. I loved it. I thought it was great. Showed a lot of fallibility, right? It's like when you watch a golfer on television shank one into the woods you're like oh okay these guys are human i kind of like that part of it <laughs> but it decimated me and i put out a tweet prior to actually this the signing that never happened where i'm like we're in on otani which means we're going to get Baumgartner and some corner like utility infielder what did we get we got this corner utility infielder and we haven't signed a pitcher yet so i have no faith in the blue jays and i'm sorry that i put you through that is my point uh, to me those are the only few hours that he was a Blue Jay, and so I will hold on to them. He was a Blue Jay for four hours in my heart, you know, uh, and, and that's as good as it's ever going to get. I mean, you're right that Toronto is starting to have this thing where it's it's kind of Charlie Brown with the football, mm. where uh, you know they get they get the whiff of of the sort of the guy coming to town, and then and then it never happens. But um, I, you know, I I'm less cynical. I think that I think that he was considering it. Uh, Maybe not seriously, or not as seriously as it looked, but I think he was trying it on for size, you know, to be a national hero in two countries rather than one. You know, the money would have been the same. Um, I'm sure he thought about it, but in the end, it's pretty hard to turn down $700 million living in L.A. Um, and and being the face of, a, of the most storied franchise in baseball history with the possible exception of the Yankees. So I get it. I don't fault the guy. I still... You know, I still want to watch him play baseball, but uh, it was fun. Mm. Did you see Teoscar sign there yesterday for $23.5 million too? Yeah, and they, and they backloaded $8 million of that deal as well. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, fun times. They're just going to just gonna build a super team yeah, yeah. and probably probably lose in the first round of the playoffs like they always oh, dude, do. Dude, it's very Leafs, right? Like they just got creative yeah. with uh, William Nylander. 69 of his $92 million that he just signed for yesterday is a signing bonus. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's, I love how they do it. Oh, to have that kind of money. Max Fawcett, uh, always a pleasure. Awesome to see you today. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us uh, on the program. Uh, lead columnist for Canada's National Observer. Listen, if you're interested uh, in accountable information when it comes to this climate, when it comes to this country, uh, when it comes to really mat things that matter that don't get covered in some traditional aspects of the media landscape in this country, I would highly encourage everybody listening to get a subscription to Canada's National Observer. Uh, Max Fawcett, lead columnist there, uh, does just amazing work. He's got values that I think all of Canada, every single Canadian, they come out in your intellectual freedom as well. Um, but you've got values, uh, you and the group over there, Linda, you guys do a, an amazing job. Uh, real bright light in the landscape of news in this country that's just filled with disinformation and I don't want to get to right now. We'll get to that another time. Um, wow. Yeah, but thank you, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I come here for those pep talks, so that, that fills my cup for the rest of this week. 
uh, get back out there and, and get yelled at by people on Twitter. Yeah, go go mix it up with the guys from the Canadian Taxpayer Federation and David Parker, and we'll meet <laughs> you know in a week and a half, and we'll decamp on the whole thing. Exactly. Hey, buddy, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Max. Yeah. Take care. Max Fawcett, lead columnist, Canada's National Observer. Uh, at Max Fawcett on Twitter is where you can find him. Good dude. Smart guy. Community-minded guy. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the National Observer, Canada's National Observer, anywhere you can uh, do so, anywhere online. Super inexpensive. Great journalism. Journalism you can trust. Very hard to do that in this landscape. Uh, something we talk about all the time. And just a quick update. Yes, we are building uh, a tool for people to be able to understand disinformation, to be able to make your way through this landscape of news and misinformation. People that want to keep you kettle, people who don't want to tell you the truth. Uh, where you can assert, ascertain the information yourself. You can figure it out. You can draw conclusions. You can make a summary from the events that happen around you as opposed to be told what's going on. And that works on both sides. I don't, I don't like both sides in the issue. I know we talked a lot, a lot about the crazy right today, but listen, misinformation is everywhere. So uh, we've got to go fund me. You can find it on the homepage of uh, Crime Media. You can also go to my Twitter handle, at it's Dean Blundell, and check it out uh, as we build this tool, as we defend ourselves against uh, a lawsuit. Uh, that was launched by Canada Proud, uh, widely regarded as one of the biggest purveyors of misinformation in this country, an exclusive agent of the Conservative Party. You can do that. We'd appreciate it. It's on our GoFundMe as well. Go to my Twitter feed and you can find it at it's Dean Blundell. Uh, but more importantly, I want to thank everybody for the support. It's been otherworldly. Uh, Canadians want to find out how we get reprogrammed. Canadians want to find out how we are able to perceive information, not just the affirmation of where we're at, but getting out of our silos and reading about factual events, factual things around science, around public events, around politics, around news, information, sports, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, so we're developing that tool in conjunction with a couple of partners. And, uh, and I want to thank Canada Proud for suing us. I do. Because it's given me some purpose. It's given me the opportunity to be able to connect with people, to be able to offer a solution for you uh, for the plague of the 21st century, which is misinformation. So no matter how the court goes, no matter how sorry, the trial goes, no matter how the court um, appearance happens, no matter we're going to do our pleadings today, we're going to post them at Cryer Media. I'm going to post them on our Twitter feed so you can actually read our response so you can see it all transparently because there's nothing more important to me, like literally nothing, than being of a good character and showing people that we're accountable. Um, and it's something that is sorely missing for media institutions in this country, uh, specifically the ones that are parading around as media institutions when they're not. They're paid lobby groups, exclusive lobby groups that are paid for and paid by political institutions that want to keep you in the dark. So use your mind, think critically, uh, your ability to reason. It's really important in 2023. 2024, oops, got the year wrong. We're only six days in. No, nah, sorry, we're eight, nine days in now. Give me a break. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Uh, and thanks to our friends and partners at CanTorque for making this possible. Uh, makers of hardworking, rugged torque wrenches, leading industrial tool experts here in Canada, making industrial torque wrenches and tools for heavy industry around the world, from tool rentals, calibration services, repairs, to custom fabrication and distribution opportunities. You want a job? You need a torque wrench. You need a bolting solution that is not offered, and you need that made for you. These guys are the best, and they do everything in Canada, proudly Canadian out of Edmonton, Alberta, uh, and they do it all. CanTorque offers a complete range of services, products, making your one-stop destination for all your bolting needs, saving you time, effort, and hassle. They've got a really cool new website, 
Cantorque.com. You can check out specs on certain models. You can have a look at what they do. You can see what they create. And you can work with them with a solution for some kind of torque wrench or bolting solution you're looking for in heavy machinery. Could be in the nuclear industry, railroad, mining, doesn't matter. They do it all for industry around the world. Colin just got back from Dubai. Loves his new websites. I was in Dubai doing some business. That's what he does. Uh, and he's proudly Canadian. He's got a wonderful Canadian uh uh, logo. He's got the maple leaf on every single one of his products because he is very proud to manufacture uh, here in, in Canada, which not a lot of people do. So make sure you go to cantork.com for more information. As always, brought to you by Muse on the Mic, a podcast about the world's oldest industry by two women entrepreneurs, advocates for the sex industry, musemassagespod.com, Muse on the Mic, anywhere you get your fine podcast. Uh, and they're located at 1290 Finch Avenue West, Unit 13, Toronto, Ontario. Make sure you go to Muse Massage Spa. For more details and download their new podcast, they take you to the behind the scenes of that industry, which is fascinating and wild. And they're advocates and they're responsible, safe industry advocates, and they're advocates for women who want to work. So go to musemassagespa.com, check them out today, and you can also download their podcast anywhere you get their podcasts. Uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, etc. Muse on the mic. They've got a Patreon account. That's where things get really juicy. So check that out as well. And brought to you by Gitch. Uh, Canada's number one luxury branded underwear, boxer briefs made with a pouch in the front, super breathable. You can run, sprint, walk through your day, super soft, barely there. Comfort, keeping you cool with moisture wicking technology. You will never want to take these things off. And I want to give you a free pair when you order three or more. Uh, Gitch three, Gitch in the number three. That is your promo code. Go to edsfineimports.com. Check them out today. Use that promo code. He'll give you a free pair of underwear and 15% off when you give him your email address. will not spam you. So there you go. Lots of savings. Great underwear. Gitch. Brought to you by Gitch, engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. Gitch 3, your promo code, edsfineimports.com. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Be nice to each other. See you tomorrow. Bye. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.